we have been talking about red flags. We've been talking about red flags. And red flags in general is, warning si- is a warning sign. Am I correct? Um, so if you're at the beach, as you can see there, and there's a red flag, normally it means do not go and swim. Now, if you're a surfer, red flags are inviting you. They say, like, come, come and partake of the goodness because there's going to be waves in the Gulf. Yes, there are no waves in the Gulf <laughs> under normal circumstances. Let me help you. You've got something attacking you. It's just my head. See, we're talking about marriage today. See how I'm saving her? I'm <laughs> From my hair, that's always there. Uh, if you're joining us online, it's a great privilege to be able to say hello to you too. Um, we have a private online group. It's not public. It's just for our members who uh, were able for health reasons or for uh, work reasons not being able to come. But I do want to encourage you, uh, don't make a habit of staying at home if you're a part of that group. Uh, there's nothing like being in the room. So uh, do, we do miss you. We do like to see you here. Uh, but we do make that available for you if you're traveling for work or for or a reason for you to be able to stay with us uh, in what we're doing. And uh, um, if you didn't get to watch last week's message, it's on our app, OSC Connect app. You can download that and find it under media and listen. You'll find the Crowley sermons there. Okay, so <clears throat> let's head into the second, uh, second talk on red flags. And today we're talking about marriage. Um, we're talking about red flags in marriage. Can you, can you flip to the next slide there real quick? Um, wait, go, go up, go up, go up, go up, go up, go up, go up. More, another one, another one, another one, another one, another one. Up, like to the beginning of the, 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 the presentation. I want to I wanna show you some of those uh, red flags. That's the beginning? Huh. That's Something horrible went wrong. <laughs> so. Okay. I'll give you I'll a give second. One. <laughs> Must I tell you a joke? I don't have one. I don't have a joke. <laughs> you know, it's a red flag, you know, when you tell your wife, um, hey, where would you like to go eat? And she said, I don't care. <laughs> That's a big red flag right there. <laughs> When you ask your wife, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, what's wrong? And she says, nothing. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> you know, it's a big red flag when your husband, when you ask your husband, hey, when are you going to do this? And he says, tomorrow. <laughs> big red flag. <laughs> Don't believe him. <laughs> or get it in writing. <laughs> you want because you know it can always be tomorrow, right? Uh, tomorrow never comes. Um, isn't there a song like that? Tomorrow never comes. I don't know if it's there. <laughs> they, uh, you know it's a red flag when you ask to sign up for a free trial and they ask all your credit card information. Like it's just free. <laughs> free <but> trial. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here's, a, here's a very local one for you. Local me, local. Uh, when Afrikaans man tells you, listen my friend, that's a very big red flag. Because by the time he tells you that, time to listen is done and you're not his friend. <laughs> <laughs> or, um, you know, you get those emails from a Nigerian prince saying, you know, he has all this money and he just needs your account to help him and they don't yeah. give you some. 
That's a red major, flag. major red flag. <laughs> <laughs> we're used to these kind of red flags, but we're, 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 and it's easy to spot them outside there, but it's not always as easy to spot them inside. And so part of our series is really um, to spot red flags in us, spot red flags in situations that we find ourselves in so that we can do what Proverbs 27, 12 says, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precaution. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Um, if we can self-diagnose, we will avoid you know, a lot of trouble uh, in the future, uh, but that requires a little bit of introspection uh, to be able to see that you know, maybe I've got some red flags going that I'm ignoring right now. Um, God gives us red flags in relationships, and, they, uh, and they're, they're, they're an invitation. They're not a judgment. Okay, so just remember that. When you see one of these red flags today, see it as an invitation to come and learn from him on how to do it better so that you won't face the consequences of uh, you know, just progressing along the same way. Um, so if you're married right now, um, I want you to just raise your hands. How many married couples we have in the house? Okay. And if you're not married, just raise your hand up high. All right. So if you're not married, I want to tell you that it's okay. Next week, we're going to talk about the seasons of singlehood. Um, and so, but, but you might be on your way to marriage or you might be, you know, done with marriage, but you're able to give insight to other people that are in marriage. So I really hope that you will not tune out, but just keep going with us and, and learn from these red flags that we find in marriage. Okay, so let's talk about number one. When you stop pursuing each other, that is a major red flag. Ephesians 5.31 says, As Scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. So at first I thought, man, maybe this Scripture is, what does it really mean? And I looked at some of the, some of the meaning of the words, and the word leaves in the original language, has a very specific meaning. It's not just a casual, do so, I'll see you later. It's more like a violent, like I am forsaking. I am cutting a tie and I am leaving. The meaning and the, 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 the intention behind the leaving is that I, I am not coming back. It's not a, it's not a like, see you later kind of leaving. It's a, we're, this season of me being with you is done. How many of you have ever felt that, man, ah, I have not, um, I, my parents have an influence in my marriage. How many of you have ever felt that, man, I've, I've never really left my house, okay? So here's how this sometimes plays out, okay? So boy meets girl, man, man meets wife, um, man, meets, man meets girl, woman, sorry. Um, they get married, right? And things go well for a while, and then there's a fight. And what's the first thing that happens to the girl, to the woman? Runs back to mom, right? Why? Because I need someone to complain to about my husband. <laughs> Let me tell you, if you're in a situation like that, you have not properly left yeah. your, your parents' household. Okay? Uh, <clears throat> or another scenario happens. Um, you know, man meets woman, get married, things go well for a while, fall into financial difficulty, and the first thing man does is he goes back to dad for help. How many of you have experienced that happen? If that happens, it means you have not properly left the parent's house yet. 
You see, when a man and a woman joins and becomes one, like the Bible says, unites as being one, there is a new family, a new individual identity that is being formed. And it is unhealthy for that identity to stay tethered to the old identity. That means that you are welcome to choose whatever parts of the old identity you bring into the family if there is an agreement upon it, right? If there's agreement to it, but you um, cannot retain all the benefits of that relationship. This needs to grow into a, into a complete new household that develops and grows for its offspring the benefits and the value that one has received from the previous one. Now let me just as a disclaimer here say that it's not a disclaimer, more as, as, as information. It's, there's nothing wrong with parents being a blessing to ch children, even after they were married. But blessings come with no strings attached. It means that I don't get to tell you what you ought to be doing because I blessed you. As a parent, I don't get to dictate to you how you should spend if I gave you finances or how you should go about your relationship if I gave you know, insight or if I gave you a listening ear. There is a leaving that needs to take place. In other words, there is a, there's a, there's a bond that needs to first be severed between a parent and a newly married person before a new bond that is based now on friendship, not on a parent-child relationship can start forming through which blessing can continue to flow. But this bond has no authority over the child. This bond has no say-so. This bond is a servant-hearted connection that is there to be that is available whenever it's needed and quiet whenever it's not called upon and so this is really important if this is a red flag if if you stop pursuing your wife in the relationship to go through the challenges your wife and this unity here under God and you break out of this unity to go elsewhere for help for aid for 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 for, for counsel you are stopping pursuing the marriage bond. And that's a red flag. And that will lead to a whole lot of issues in marriage. So when I read the scripture first, I thought it really doesn't support the point, right? Um, and of pursuing. Of pursuing, yeah, yeah, of pursuing. And after reading and like JJ just did, delving into some of the meaning of the Hebrew words, then you see, oh, okay. Um, so I just want to share with you the word. Let me say the word first about uh, the, the joining, okay? Because okay? yeah. I didn't properly share that one. Yeah. Actually, she's going to share the word on uniting. But the first one was leaving. And the word there is an active severing of relationship and is moving on to a new season. But the second word there that I want to talk about is joining, okay? Mm. Joining. And so when she said that, I, I, I remembered that when you and I think of joining, we think of an event, Right? We got married, we're now joined. The actual Hebrew language here is different from just an event. It's actually a continuous pursuit. It, it's two words, and the one word is similar to a word we use, we use for worship. Um, one of the uh, Hebrew words for worship is the word proskuneo, and it literally means to approach, to consistently approach God for intimate 
relationship with him consistently so it's a continuous approaching the word here has the same prefix uh in the combination of the words that that says proskopalo uh, that literally means that i am continuously moving towards and then the second part of the word means to glue to glue to i am continually moving towards to glue to my partner right it's not an event it is a never-ending joining. It's beautiful, isn't it? And so at first, the scripture verse doesn't look like it's pers- you know, talking about pursuing, but in actual fact, it talks all about pursuing. It's about stopping the pursuit of a relationship that I used to benefit from, that I used to depend on, and now pursuing continuously a new relationship through which I am trusting God that all the benefit and all the needs that I have will be met. Hmm. Now go on to talk about the unity part. (laughs) Um, If you have kids, you know that glue is a thing. Um, (laughs) Anyway. Um, We had scrapbooking weekend. Yeah. Anyway, moving along <laughs> swiftly to the word united. Um, the Hebrew word is dabak. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but anyway. Um, it means to cling or adhere, to catch by pursuit or to pursue hard. So that yeah. gives that scripture just so much life and it just shades a lot of life on... Where are you going? Sorry, sorry, I was reading the scripture again. No. <laughs> Big glue there. (laughs) When you you need the notes and he goes. Um, Anyway, so when we dated, when we dated, I don't. You can maybe think back to the time you dated. If you dated, you know, I don't know what happened with you, but um, so we really did some things to pursue each other. So last night we were sitting on the couch and thinking, what did we do to pursue each other? And uh, we remembered, um, we did Bible school together at some point, many times. Uh, and we used to write little love notes in our books or even in our Bibles for each other. Like just a short little thing when later you read that, you know, get to that page again, you're like, oh, nice. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and uh, one thing I remember is I love lights. So I love Christmas. It's my favorite time of the year. Um, yes. Thank you, Chris. I see you. Um, and uh, I just love lights, any lights. And not these lights, but um, <laughs> any small lights from a distance. And uh, so we lived in a town called Potchefstroom. And um, it's not a big town. It's bigger than Crowley, though. But, uh, and we, he used to take me outside of town where there was a little hill so we could see all the town's lights, just because. And, um, you know, that was before we got married. I'm sure we did some other things that we couldn't remember. But because it worked, right? <laughs> it did work. <laughs> um, all those lights paid off. Anyway, and but after we got married, we we've continued pursuing each other, and uh, like just to give you a few examples, like he buys me gifts against his natural design. I know, right? And I make him food against my natural design. <laughs> <clears throat> it's true. He wakes up in the morning with me to get the kids ready for school against his natural design. And I kiss him with the moustache against my natural design. <laughs> I do. 
Who knows what I'm speaking about? If you're a woman. Oh. See? It's a thing. Some of them like it. I don't know. <laughs> speaking in open. <laughs> I don't know. So, but if you find yourself, um, you got married, you know, a long time ago, and one day you wake up and you, you're just wondering where did the romance go? Where did the intimacy go? Where's the fun? Where's the fire? It means somewhere along the line you start pursuing mm. your, each other. Mm. And you got relationally lazy. And, um, you know, we, we think it's okay in a relationship to become relationally lazy. And, um, you know, good things will come of it. We think that. But if we come lazy in any other area of our lives, will we still have a good outcome? Will we still grow in that area? We, I mean, you know, if you don't look after your body, we all know that. And I won't go into that. Let's not speak about that. But if you, um, if you don't look after your body, you know, some, you carry some stuff around that you're not supposed to carry around, right? Um, and, I mean, if you st stop looking after your yard, your, your grass, like there was somewhere in the summer for about two weeks where JJ just didn't get to the grass. You remember that? Uh -huh. And Mr. Bill, our neighbor, came and said, Hey, buddy, your lawnmower, is it broken? <laughs> <laughs> so your neighbor was Because he wanted you. to help, to be because, fair. He yeah, wanted, he wanted to, help. to help. But yeah, he saw, yeah. like, yeah, something's not happening. Someone <laughs> needs some help. And um, so if you've gotten relationally lazy, you will look at someone else's marital yard mm. and the grass will look greener. And if the grass looks greener somewhere else, it's time to go water your own yard. Yeah, nourish your own yard. Yeah. Amen. Come on. So let's turn to Genesis 29, and we'll read of um, a marriage uh, story. <coughs> so, a marriage story. Uh, yes. So Laban, this was um, uh, the uncle of Jacob and Esau, the uh, in other words, the brother of. Um, Isaac's mother, I think it was. He had two daughters, and the name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. So it says here, Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. And I, w I wrecked my brain about that, so I had to go and research. What the heck does weak yeah. eyes mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it turns out weak eyes uh, didn't necessarily refer to the fact that there was something wrong with them, but more like, so in the Middle Eastern culture of the time, the eyes was considered to be the most beautiful part of a woman's body. Is this all you could see? Probably so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> would stand to reason. Um, and so if somebody didn't have like extremely striking eyes, then they were called weak-eyed. Um, but it didn't necessarily mean that they weren't beautiful themselves or they were, you know, um, in any form or way um, less valuable or anything. That's not what, the, what, what it actually meant in those times. So if any of you felt like, man, how can the Bible say something like that? It's not saying like, you know, this one was horrible and the other one was amazing. <laughs> it's really describing more of the cultural perspective of um, the, the different views about these two women at the time. And so Jacob um, was in love with Rachel. And he said to Laban, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, daughter Rachel. 
Uh, Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. So stay here with me. And they agreed to it. So Jacob worked seven years to get Rachel, uh, but they seemed like uh, only a few days to him because of his love for her. Okay, so uh, we, if you, if you haven't heard the story, like if you haven't read that part of the Bible yet, basically what ends up happening is Laban was pretty shrewd. And so um, he ended up marrying his older daughter to Jacob on the, what, on the wedding night. Okay, and so when Jacob woke up the next day, he realized he had married uh, the eldest daughter and not the one that he worked for, which is a weird concept. He worked for, yeah. So, but anyway, so and, and so he went to Laban. It's like, hey, dude, what's up with this? You know, <laughs> I, I was wanting to marry, you know, Rachel. That was, a, and he said, no, no, it's custom in our culture that the eldest needs to be given away to marriage first. And uh, he said to, and then he said to uh, Jacob. Work for me another seven years, and you can also have Rachel. Okay, so um, now it's interesting to note that, I mean, there's just so many things wrong there, but don't, <laughs> let's not worry about the old culture. Uh, we know that uh, uh, God did not condone everything that happened at that time. Uh, he was walking a journey with mankind as well. And um, the basic of the thing is that Jacob then said, uh, yes, I, uh, not Jacob, yeah, Jacob said, I will continue to work for you if I can also marry Rachel. And so he immediately gave actually Rachel there and then uh, to him, so he married Rachel as well, um, but then he had to continue to work another seven years, which is an interesting point uh, because it was like you know he married the woman that he loved, but then he didn't stop working for her, and that's kind of a beautiful picture of you know what what, what we want to see in marriages is that the work don't stop when you get married. Actually, that's when the work continues uh, to happen, you know, and uh, so uh, if you keep on working and pursuing one another like that in marriage, then there is, you know, high chance that your marriage will be healthy and uh, that red flag of not pursuing each other won't, won't be there any longer. Um, okay, let me just catch myself here quickly. All right, so... Um, for us, that means that we have to put in some work to make our relationship stay healthy. Whether that is to prioritize uh, things that we do together, um, whether that is to understand one another's love languages, um, which for the longest time, Esther wasn't sure true. what it's her love true. language was. And so when you know, I married her, I was convinced that it was this one thing Great that flag. I was, um, you know, <laughs> willing to participate in a for the rest of, of my life only to hear two years after the fact that no i've changed my mind you know my love language isn't you know um, quality time or what i can't even remember what it was now all of a sudden it's the giving of gifts which in my life is the weakest of strengths ever which now I have to, you know, I have to, I have to work at very, very hard to, uh, yes. to tell her how much I love her, <laughs> which I do. But now the, <laughs> you, I, 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 I make use of these opportunities, you know, to just let her know how much I really do then love her, you know, since she testified earlier that I buy her gifts. Y'all, y'all heard that, right? In fact, it's recorded. So <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Oh, I saw. <laughs> now, the point being that, <clears throat> you know what? <laughs> we do change and things do change. And, and, and it doesn't matter what changes happen. I committed to this woman, not to my perception of this woman. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes yeah. you think you're marrying somebody and then, you, then lo- life develops. And you, 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 yeah. 
I, I get to know her better. Guys, there's no way you're going to learn everything about a woman in this lifetime anyways. So why think that you're going to know all about her before she, you got married? No, it's a discovery process. And here's the thing. Is you just got to adjust along the way. And when you find surprises, hey, that is God just helping you become a better man. Right? I'll just be more mature and just stand here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, babe, I love you. So, um, I think this is, this is our love language, just messing with each other. Our, 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 our communal love language. No, but seriously, you know, when you discover new things, and this, I don't think this was one, really the thing, but there's going to be things that change in, in life between a yeah. husband and a wife, in you personally. What if some tragedy happens and something, might, you know, goes wrong, um, and one is incapacitated or, or, or becomes, you know, dealing with some, some, some situation that is a perpetual thing. It's so quick that those things um, make us feel that, hey, man, I didn't sign up for this. No, you really did. <laughs> you really did. Yeah. And now is the time to dig deep into the love of Christ that has been enough of it placed inside of you to be able to serve this person that you connected, that you left and glued to, work, uh, to, uh, glued to um, in a way that serves them well and communicates your undying love and care um, and value of them. So uh, in other, uh, other things, it's just like making sure that you have enough time for each other. Uh, like prioritizing date nights or date days or, um, you know, just something where you and them are alone. You and her are alone. Look, this is important because you, we need to remember bef before, you, bef before you were a dad, you're, you're a man and a husband. And before she was mom, she was your wife, right? Just your wife. And, and, and now that she became a mom, doesn't mean that the wife part expired. No, you have to keep on cultivating that and keep on investing in that. Because otherwise, she'll end up just being your kids' mom. That's, right. mm. That's true. Date nights might be expensive, but they're cheaper than lawyers. So invest. <laughs> I'm just saying we have date we have date days. We don't do nights. We have date days. Fine. Yes. <laughs> just because it says not night doesn't disqualify it. Mm -hmm. It's true. Um, so <laughs> the second red flag in your marriage could um, is when you stop encouraging each other. And um, this is a it can be a tough one, but let me read to you Ephesians four verse twenty nine. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I mean, that's a um, mm. challenging mm. scripture because it, it speaks about marriage. We want to use it for marriage, but it speaks about words in general. You know, and I think this is one we should teach the kids in kids' church next month because, <laughs> I mean, they can say some unnecessary things. Um, but we know that words matter, Right. And um, what makes a great marriage? One of the things definitely is your words. Yeah. And what makes a bad marriage? It's your words. You know, and uh, how different do you think it could have been or can be in your marriage when you encourage your spouse a little bit? You know, or maybe sometimes pray with them, pray for them, pray over them. And um, 
stop keeping all those um, loving thoughts to yourself. Share them because it will bless your spouse. Mm, I'm mm. not saying just say that the whole time. <laughs> but just, you know, sometimes we do think good things many times, but we don't share it. And um, because we feel like it's not the right time or, you know, so many things. Or we're a little bit prideful. That's, you know... Many times. And maybe sometimes it's, it's, it's like, well, they're going to think wrong of it or they're going to misunderstand it, etc. I would rather just push through that misunderstanding and, you know, and say it anyways. Mm. Um, you know, after all, when they figure out that you were serious, they'll feel a little sheepish. But then after that, they'll be like, oh, wow, that was actually so thoughtful. Yeah. Um, but if you are just afraid of that, don't let your fear rob you of the blessing, you know, uh, what it could be. Don't be like that guy who got married 15 years ago. And one day his wife came to him and said, do you still love me? And he said, what do you mean? I told you when we got married, I loved you. And I'll tell you if something changes. Um, don't be that guy. <laughs> Anyways, so woman, encourage him with your words of affirmation. Yeah. You know, guys act all cool and macho and, you know, confident. But really, the truth is they all battle or they all have a battle of insecurity. You know, am I good enough? Can I do this? Will I be able to handle this? And we can help them to affirm them who God has made them and what you see in them. So I've heard many wives tell me many times, countless times, my husband isn't the spiritual leader I want him to be or he's supposed to be. And maybe you're one of those people that told me that in the past. And I want to encourage you, whenever he makes a step to spiritual growth, if he does anything, celebrate it. Encourage mm, him. Mm. Like, thank you, babe, for telling me, like, saying, let's go to church. Like, even something small like that, it, is, it makes a difference. Yeah. Thank you for whatever you see. Just encourage it. Because if you start focusing on the things that he's doing, and not just focus on the things that he's not doing, it will have a big impact. Mm. It will have a great impact. You know, men just want to know, does this person who knows me the best believe in me the most? You know, because we are supposed to know each other the best, right? I'm not supposed to have another best friend on the side that knows everything about yes. me. And no. This is, he is my BFF, my bae, my whatever. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, so it's, he just wants to know, do you believe in me today? Absolutely. Um, I think, um, men, we, we, we ought to encourage our friend, our, our daughter, our wives, sorry, <laughs> I was going somewhere. We need to encourage our wives with words of affection. Um, Don't just, don't just be the quiet, strong, silent type. <laughs> they actually want to hear you vocalize uh, love to them. I know, I know the, the, the strong and silent um, man is, a, is, a, is almost like a, it's a culturally celebrated man. Um, but you're not married to culture. You're married to a woman. And they actually want something different than what culture would tell men among men are cool. Um, so do the effort of finding ways of encouraging her with words of affection. Um, and, and let me just say, uh, don't always attach uh, sex to it. 
<laughs> you know, um, if if you're if you have that, if that is always the motive, you know, then you're bound to start getting the res, this, the response, um, not tonight, <laughs> or uh, you know, you're you're bound to get some response that you didn't mean for it, but but that will just tell you that you've been too, uh, you know, predictable, <laughs> and so do come out with some affection, words of affection that absolutely has no expectation connected to it. Um, and if you're consistent about that, the message will come through that, hey, I want to encourage you. I believe in you. I think the world of you. Um, and, and there's different ways that we can do this. You know, you can, you can, you can write it if you're a writer. Um, I've seen a incredibly, you know, um, alpha male men write the most amazing poems uh, to their wives. And it, there is nothing... Um, wrong with you expressing your words of encouragement, your words of infection uh, to a woman, your woman, not just a woman, to your woman <laughs> through various ways that would um, communicate to her what she needs to hear. Okay, so point number three. The third red flag in marriage is when you really, when you stop serving each other. Ephesians 5, 24 and 5 says this, as the church submits to Christ, so should wives submit to their husbands and everything. And uh, uh, for husbands, this means that we ought to love our wives just as Christ loved the church and gave his life up for her. Now, let me just say off the bat to everybody, um, I don't get to define how I serve you. I don't get to define how I serve you. I have to learn how serving, how to serve you. You're the one that reveals to me how you uh, have need for serving, for, for serving you. Because I know that men will go immediately to that moment where, like, where they go like, oh, but you know, I work hard, right? I'm serving you, okay? And women were like, well, I, I, I keep this household running. I work hard for you. I serve hard for you. Um, neither of us get to define what serving means. Now, all of those serving does count. I mean, that is part of our roles, you know, and, and we define those roles within marriage. And, uh, you know, traditionally they have been divided in, in certain ways. Uh, culture has changed radically, and so there's different expectations. And none of that is a biblical set mandate that the man shall do, you know, all the work and earn all the money, and the woman shall do only these things. Those aren't biblical, they're cultural. So if that shifts and moves around, don't worry about it. Esther and I have a completely uh, unique understanding of what that means for us in our relationship. And it's not the same as anything that uh, culturally is divine, but some of it is. And so we've, we've divided that for ourselves and understood for ourselves. But what it also does uh, uh, contain is a lot of understanding of what makes her feel valued. How do what I, how, um, how does she require me to serve her? Uh, the whole standing up in the morning and getting the kids ready early, early thing, that's not something my dad did ever. So I grew up never awakening to my dad's voice, getting me to, but by the time my dad comes talk to me, I'm in a heck of a load of trouble. Okay, because <laughs> then I've probably ignored my mom for way too long, and now dad is coming, and it's you know, it's a it's it's not not a, not a pretty picture. It will not be pretty. Um, but 
But now I've had to adjust that because there was a moment in our lives where she, she just told me, babe, I can't do this on my own. There's just too much to do in the mornings. Um, I need your help. And I had to change. I had to start getting up in the mornings uh, and go and help. And as, as hard and as agonizing as that was for me, um, I made that change because she gets to define to me how she is to be served, uh, not just uh, me. Um, now, when you don't understand the purpose of something, uh, you have the tendency to abuse it, right? Like if I try to use this as a hammer, it's not going to bode well uh, for my you know, project or for the mic. And the way Christ loved the church was to lay his life down for it, okay? And so our, the purpose for us in marriage is to serve one another and to lay our lives down for it, not to use the other one to our own objectives. And I think that's something that probably happened a lot. We get into marriage and we dream, this is all it's going to be. Um, and then at some point, I start to try and use this person to reach my goals, um, yeah, that's not going to bode well for your goals or for this marriage. Um, it's going to end in destruction. And we have to lay down that picture of what we created in our own minds and first submit that to the unity and say, is this a unified understanding that therefore we can define roles and work together to achieve? Because otherwise we will not um, treat our marriage the way it should be treated. So my marriage will live to the degree that I die to myself. It's really important. And I think <laughs> Pastor Josh was preaching the other day at a, at a, at a wedding and he kept calling it a funeral. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, after a while he was like, well, you know what, actually this, this somewhat is a funeral because, because you're really dying to singlehood. You're really dying to, your, to having it all your way all the time. You really are. And so in a, in, a, in a sense, it's somewhat of a funeral because you're saying goodbye to a you that will never exist again unless something goes wrong. Um, and so, so you want to die to yourself so that this can live, the unity can continue to live. I want to read to you Ephesians 5 verse 25. It says, Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Mm. And, um, you know, when, you, when you're marrying someone, you are not marrying them to, to get from them for the rest of your life. You are marrying someone so that you can give to them for the rest of your life. Mm. And that is a whole different, just, you know, shifting of your mind. And, um, you know, one of the most loving things that you can tell your spouse is, how can I help you today? Where do you need my help? And um, JJ does it really well. And um, when he and when he asks me, "How can I help you today?" I feel I feel loved. I feel like he sees me because he sees what I'm doing. He sees what I have to do. Um, you know, because I do also say out everything out loud that I have to do. So <laughs> that helps. <laughs> so I think out loud, thinking, "How am I gonna make this work?" And um, anyways, and then, but it, it makes me feel seen and it makes me feel supported. It has a big impact. And many times the answer is, I don't think there's anything you can do. But just the fact that he asked me shows me that he cares. 
um, you know, and sometimes there's a lot of stuff that he could do, and I can go lie on the couch and do nothing. Um, no, you know. Um, well, if you don't like what you are getting, look at what you're giving. Because many times we always judge other people on their actions, and we always judge ourselves on our intentions. You know, that's with everything. And, um, but I meant to, I meant to, but you didn't, you know. And um, so just, you know, that's a... A quick story from my past. Um, we lived on a big property when I was growing up, and it had about, let me just get my math here. I don't know. It had about a, um, it was a five-acre property, okay? And it had about two of it, two acres of it was, uh, was manicured, okay, was, was kept, we didn't have any ride-on lawn mowers, so I push mowed everything. Um, it would take me, in the heights of summer, it would literally take me two days in the beginning of the week, and then in the weekend I have to do it again. Uh, so like four days of the week, I would be mowing just to get everything done. And by the time I'm done with that part, then this part has grown again. And it was just, I just <laughs> felt like I was lawn mowing the whole time. Um, but anyway, so what would usually happen is um, I would get home and my dad would go, Jay, would you please go mow the lawn? And I would hate that because I had plans of what I was going to do. And um, I would, I, and, then, and then it was just like, okay, I'll go mow the lawn. And then I would get the thing out. We didn't have these nice ones with the petrol and everything that, that you know, just runs by itself. We had electric, electric lines running from the house two, two acres wide, okay? So it's just, you know, and when you cut that line, you fix it yourself because dad's not coming. He's somewhere else. So you know, so you just, anyways, long story short is um, one day I came home and I saw the grass was long, right? And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm just going to go and cut the lawn before he asks me, because I know he's going to ask me. And um, so I got the lawnmower out, I went out, and I cut the lawn. And I came home, like just before dark, and I was thinking to myself, man, I really enjoyed that. And I was like, well, 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 why did I enjoy cutting the lawn so much? Because I, 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 I normally hate this. And only later on did it dawn on me, it was because I made the decision to do it before I was asked to do it. So guys, let me give you a real, real, real secret here. Do it before she asks. It brings <laughs> joy to you if you do it before she asks. When she asks, it's often going to be, okay, I'll fold the clothes. But if you see the stack of clothes lying there and you go sit and whatever you're going to do, just keep doing it, but start folding clothes by the time... <laughs> She comes, you've finished half of it already, and you feel great about it. You go like, wonder if she's going to see it. You'll be like, hey, babe. Yes, I had a great afternoon. Thank you. So we, if you, who was here last week? So remember you were speaking about those bricks? Yeah. <laughs> I moved half of it. Half of it. <laughs> Now that's Not a all woman of it, right yeah, but there. But half of it. Anyway, he didn't ask me. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I would like, never <laughs> ask my wife to move bricks. Right. Yo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't dare. I'd be too afraid to ask her. Okay. Okay. The fourth red flag in your marriage is when you stop forgiving each other. Mm. This is a massive. I, I think this flag is bigger than the others. 
Um, and uh, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love keeps no record of being wronged. And, uh, you know, we live in a culture that loves keeping records. I mean, everybody's keeping a record. Your phone keeps a record <laughs> on the phone and in the cloud. <laughs> I mean, even the cloud. <laughs> your computer, your, the school. Freak. So many records. The bank, mm. the doctor, the government. You think they're watching us? I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't go there, please. It's just amazing. Well, Alexa's definitely listening because she's chipping in every now and then. Welcome to our conspiracy church. I mean, our savior's <laughs> church. <laughs> um, and we can't live our way that way, the same way about keeping records. Uh, you know, it's impossible mm. to go through life without being hurt. And um, you are going to get hurt. Like even when you got into a relationship, you are going to get hurt. He's going to hurt me and I'm going to hurt him. But we can't live in a way where we keep records the whole time of stuff that went wrong mm. or where he went wrong. You know, we have to be able to go into a relationship and to be able to delete the history. And even before you, when you get into a relationship, you have to be able to forgive what that other person messed up before they met you. You know, you can't keep it over their heads and live that way. Mm. Right, so Ephesians 4 verse <coughs> 2 and then verse 32 says, this, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Okay, so... Um, <coughs> this one guy he's a really prolific writer uh gary thomas uh, of marriages and uh, um you can go and google him and find uh, the sacred marriage uh, um, sacred relationship he wrote um a lot of great books on marriage uh, and uh, he says this couples don't fall out of love they fall out of forgiveness and so it's, it's such an important point that you know the minute you start uh, holding an account against somebody, uh, you're you're slowly but surely, uh, you know, emptying the love tank, uh, and it's like it's like you're opening up the bottom of of your tank, and so whatever he pours in at the top, it just disappears at the bottom. It's like it's it's an impossible task to love you, because you never contain anything that I offer. It's always a yeah, but. You did this, Phew, just purging all the love that was offered. You're doing yourself a disservice because you can never feel loved if you do that. Mm. And so it's, 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 yes, you're setting that other person free, but in actual fact, you're, you're enabling yourself again to receive and feel love. And to, uh, and to have your love tank filled up. Um, when we resolve an issue, we forgive each other. Uh, we do not hold on to it. We do not use it in future fights uh, because that becomes nasty. Um, unresolved hurts grow with interest. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's, and I know that this is a difficult one um, because there is so so many times where I feel like, you know what, um, they haven't changed mm. and they're going to hurt me again. You know, and, and I understand that because 
you know, our, our desire is to be safe, right? But don't let your desire to be safe keep you from getting healing. Because when you choose to be safe, you choose against getting healed. You choose to be safe, you're never going to take a risk to love again. When you choose to get healed, you can take a risk. And yes, it, you might be disappointed again, but before that disappointment, you actually authentically experienced love. And, and, and it's a sad, sad existence if you can never, ever experience love just because you're afraid that somebody's going to make a mistake. Because so, just when somebody makes a mistake doesn't mean that all the time up till then they didn't love you. Um, and, 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 and there are instances, you know, that needs qualification. There are instances that are exceptions where, where things go, um, you know, and, and grace is being taken advantage of. Um, and, and they become apparent, you know, when there's a pattern of, of uh, you know, of not change, uh, willful, uh, you know, um, uh, not changing, uh, and that is dealt with differently, okay? Uh, but for the most part, um, it's not that. It's, it's us keeping record of wrongs mm -hmm. that would lead to, um, to us feeling empty and unloved. And so um, don't let the, the possibility of the exception of you know somebody that's perpetually disappointing and perpetually being unfaithful in in terms of uh, you know not changing or not sticking to their commitments don't let that possibility render your whole life void of authentic love um, just because you're not willing to let go choosing to stay safe instead of getting healed and stepping out to take another risk again um, so, in order to get what you once had in relationship, you must start doing again what you once did. Um, Re Revelation 2.5 is, 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 is a, um, it says, remember the height from which you have fallen, repent and do the things you did at first. Jesus is, uh, through the uh, prophet John, writing to the church and selling, telling them, look, you used to be faithful, you used to press into worship, you used to be uh, you know, seeking intimate relationship with me, and then you became stale, and it just became mundane, and you just fell from that height. Uh, uh, but but you know, for you to step back into the life that I have to offer, you have to repent and do the things you once did. Start pursuing God again. Start pursuing, and that counts for this moment. For this moment here, pursue that person in your life again. We have a, an incredible um, couple in our church that um, they've gone through a lot, a lot, a lot, and and recently there's just been this willingness to pursue one another again, and the life and the the change that it is it, it's making happen for the both of them is just incredible and you can just see the difference you can see the the level of peace that is raised in the house you can see the level of joy that is raised in the house um, but it was because they stopped settling on you know the norm that they've gotten used to and said okay let's how how do we change this how do you feel it needs to change and, and and as they go step by step through a process 
process of asking the question, what would you like to see in this scenario, me do? And, and that, that moment, each of them get to agree on the new us. Not this is how we used to do it in my house. So, you know, this is what I'm used to culture saying we should do. How are we deciding that we're going to do this that will satisfy both of our relational desire? They're seeing incredible growth. And we're excited for the process that they're in. But that's what it's about. We have to continue to do what we used to do to rebuild that and, and cultivate that environment where both of us can thrive and have a great relationship in. And, you know, there's no marriage that has gone too far for the power of God to heal it. Amen. And there's always hope if both of you are willing and if both of you are willing to lay down your pride in front of God and willing to take these hard steps, because it's not one prayer of God, um, you know, fix my marriage, won't do it. That's probably where you start, asking God to help you and asking God to come into this mess, um, wherever you find yourself. But then after making that, doing that, or praying that prayer, and then there's some decisions that needs to happen. You know, you have to make some decisions on how are we going to do this and what are we going to, uh, how are we going to tackle this? And I want to encourage you, don't do it alone. Yeah. You've been doing it alone for how many years and you're sucking at it. You need help. So don't go at it alone. You've been trying. Yeah. So, in, you know. I think what, one of the things we try to do is we, we try to fix the past. Mm-hmm. You can't fix past. You can fix the, the present. You can't even fix the future. It's not here yet. Mm. This today, that's all we have. And so that's what forgiveness makes forgiveness so powerful. Is once I have heard, okay, I've hurt you. And and there is a moment of repentance and forgiveness. That's not enough. Because we need to prevent the future from looking the same as the past did. And so what we should be doing not is just say sorry. We should be saying, how would you like to see me act in this scenario? What would you like for me to start doing? And, and sometimes because of hurt, the, the, the response might be preposterous. Well, I want you to never do none of this forever. Okay, well, that's, that's going to be impossible, you know, because of the, the ask. What if I did this? Would that be, you know, would that be movement toward what, you, what, you, what you're suggesting here? Well, I'd have to have at least this and this. Okay. I can agree to that. Now we're starting to take proactive steps toward not just keeping things the way they were. See, often we go like, well, n- nothing ever changes. Okay, well, have y'all in a constructive environment made such a decision-making moment. Because see, when we're still blaming and throwing, you know, fireballs at each other, there's no point in saying, you should be doing this and you should be doing this because here's what he's doing. (laughs) Nothing's penetrating. (laughs) Nothing's going to change him. But in a moment where there's peace and where there's low emotion, high clarity, that's really what I would love for you to do. And now listen, when your spouse comes to you and they ask, hey, can, can, we, can we 
Can we negotiate something? Can we negotiate a new us in a, in a certain thing? And y'all go sit down. Remember this moment. This is what that this is preparation for those moments. So that you can go home and you can have these discussions with one another. Okay, you know what? You know, this is what she did. When I when we wake up in the morning, you lie here until you have to get ready to go to work and to drive the kids to school. But everything before that, I have to do that all alone. And I stayed up with you and just went to sleep just as late. So I feel it would be really fair to ask, can you stand up with me and help me with the kids? Now, let me see, I do great. Okay, she still does, you know, the older girls, which they dress themselves at least, but, she, you know, she still does more than I do. But the fact that Gray has been taken care of has, has taken a big load off of her. Now she can brush hair, you know, while I'm trying to get Gray to brush his teeth. But I said, okay, I can agree to that. And since then, that's been our arrangement. And that's something one can be held accountable to also. It's tangible. It's specific. You know, she knows when I didn't do it. <laughs> I know when I didn't do it. Right. And I know that that is in violation of the new us. But we have to work on creating new us moments and stop letting the parentals talk to us about our marriages. Stop running to them to help in time of need. Okay? Now, if they, if they discern by, the, by, by, the, by, by, you know, just intuition, if they're not Christians, or by, you know, the Holy Spirit, that, you know, they must be a blessing. They must help and they offer something. Don't be prideful. They go, no, we're fine. No. You're not fine. Take the blessing. Receive it with thanks. But realize that don't make me tethered to them again. I'm not reattaching an umbilical cord. I'm just receiving a blessing. And the really thing, the real thing is I'm receiving it from God. Because God is using them. But I'm not giving any authority away. We are the authority in our own home. And we define how this home is managed. But therefore we also need to define how we build our marriage and how our marriage is invested in and, and how it's built okay so I think well what I would like for us to do is is I would like for us to spend a moment and I know if you're single or you're not your husband is not here today it's going to leave you in your seat for just a minute you be reflecting on this yourself for a second I just want to create a moment here for the married people that are here with their spouses to get a moment to try this out, okay? Even if it's just identifying an issue. Hey, when we get home, can we talk about this part here? So that you'll set yourself up for having a constructive discussion that'll bring us to a negotiating table to define the new us. So we can take some of these red flags and we can remove them out of our lives, okay? So remember the first red flag, it's when you stop pursuing each other. Second left, when you stop encouraging one another. The third one is when you stop serving each other. And the fourth one is when you stop forgiving each other. Okay. So take a minute now and just talk through that. Mr. Paul, thank you for continuing to just minister for a little bit. We're going to take two minutes to just get into that. The rest of you will be praying for your married partners, married friends or something. Okay, thank you.
as JJ was speaking, I just, if you, you don't have to be single, but I just also just saying that, you know, sometimes we lose the wonder with our relationship with God. And I think it's the same principle to coming back to the things we used to do. What did you do in the beginning when you just got saved? What did you do uh, to, you know, for that spark, for that passion in your relationship? And if you see a red flag that you are, you start pursuing God, you know, see that flag. It's not just in your relationship with your marriage. It can so easily be with our relationships with God. And um, just to take a moment today, maybe tonight, before you go to bed, and just say, God, I want to pursue you again. And make it practical. You know, don't just say it. Because not a lot comes from just saying. You know, put some steps in place. Think of how I'm going to change it. What am I going to start doing again? Maybe you uh, used to get up early and put some worship music on. And now, yeah, it's maybe 20 years later. But, you know, you could still get up and put some worship music on and dance and sing and um, whatever it is that you did. So just to want to encourage you to, you know, pursue God like the way you did in the beginning. Why don't you just stand with us? We'd love to pray with you. Lord, thank you that that you are good. And I wanted to share this earlier, but I didn't get a chance. This morning when we sang, I will make room for you. I just had the sense that making room isn't always fun. It is hard work. And it's most of the time laying down things on our side. And it fits so well in with this sermon and God we want to make room for you in our lives and in our marriages and we are ready and prepared to do the hard work make the hard decisions and Holy Spirit I pray that when we are weak that you will be strong I pray that we will lean on you and not ourselves and our own wisdom God I pray that this will be a turnaround in our passion and our relationship with you but this will also be a turnaround in our marriages God I pray that we'll make those decisions before it is too late God I pray that you would help us bring passion back bring fun back into our relationships thank you Lord that you would give us a heart for each other that you would give us a love for each other and I pray that that we would fall in love with our husbands and our wives again like we were when we got married And Lord, I pray that we would all fall in love with you again. Lord, when you wake up, that we won't be able to wait to say, Good morning, God. Wow, thank you for this night. Thank you for this day. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you are with me. God, stir up those passions and those emotions. And God, thank you just that you have made a way for us to be in your presence. And Lord, I pray this week that we will hear your voice, that we will walk in your power. Holy Spirit, I pray that we will see you work through us. That we will see your power work through us in every area, in our houses, with our children, with our spouses, in our workplace. I pray that your power will flow mightily through us. God, use us to change the world. God, we want to see the world change and use us. 
Open our eyes to see people like you see them, God. Thank you that we will no longer just be a church of words, but of actions. And God, I pray that this will be a powerful week in our lives. And I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.